This is Jack Sawinski, and you're listening to Friars on the Farm podcast. Welcome to Friars on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and along with me is Roy. Hey, coming through, coming to you through the inner tubes. <laughs> Takes a second to say goodbye. God, God, talk about saying goodbye. That real quick before we get on with the show, the Houston series was just huge. Oh yeah, yeah, that was it, it, every. I can't believe that they had four straight games that went extra innings, emptied the bullpen, emptied the benches, crazy comebacks, amazing plays on offense and defense. I mean, I if they kept on doing that, I don't think my heart could hold out. Yeah, no, I, you know. I aged like 15 years in two nights. Oh, my God. But, it, it, you know, and it just, you know, against a really, really good Houston Astros team. And that's, you know, when we're going in there, I'm like, okay, if we get one, if we maybe yeah, one out of three, or, you know, we could probably maybe win two, maybe. You know, it just, it's just how the game goes. Um, but to have those four games, it was actually one game away from the record, which was set in, like, 1908. Oh, of consecutive extra yeah, inning five, games. The, the record is five consecutive extra games by the Detroit Tigers in yeah, 1908. It's a team that's no longer in Major League Baseball anymore. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, so go ahead. So what do you think about bringing in Joe Musgrove to pitch the rest of that game? <laughs> I, You know, the managers, the organization, they know what's best. Okay. Uh, absolutely. Snell doesn't have it. They were going on a six-man rotation. Why not bring him in? Push everyone up. It push everyone up a day, right? It pushed everyone up a day. It did. It did. Yeah. And so everybody's now pitching on their normal rest. So I mean, and, and yeah, you need to to get the bullpen fresh for the next game. It's. I, I definitely understand both sides of it. I've seen the arguments on Twitter, and they, they it, it makes sense on both sides. Right. I mean, it would have been nice for them and it would have been, I guess, convenient if they could have pulled somebody up just to burn them for a day. But I don't know if you plan for that. You don't want to plan no. that Blake Snell is going to go in there and, and get hosed for three right. innings and be done. Right. And you don't want him to just, all right, kid, eat it for five innings, whatever the score is. You want to win the ball game. You want to not leave your ace out there. And yes, he is an ace. You don't want to leave him out there. Um, and hell, he did a great job. Oh, God, Musgrove did a fantastic job. He did an amazing job. He's, what, 14 innings pitched in the state of Texas, and he hasn't given up a hit yet? Right, right. Yeah, I think he threw 47 <laughs> pitches in, in the four innings that he pitched, or three or four innings that he pitched. Just an insane amount of efficiency. Yeah, awesome. Uh, you definitely saved saved the bullpen for this series. You know, and, and just so, to uh, kind of wrap that up is, like, the, the Padres' bullpen is not going to be able to sustain it. These, the starting pitchers are going to have to be more efficient. Musco is very efficient. Udaris is very efficient. Paddock isn't so too efficient. And, you know, even tonight, Ryan Weathers throwing strikes, but not efficient enough for to go deep into ballgame. So they're having to rely on the bullpen. And and now in the beginning, first half of the season, fine. But when we get past the All-Star break in August and deep into September, you know, that I, I wouldn't be surprised if it starts showing. For sure. And the contributions from unexpected guys like Nabil Krismat yeah. and Nick Ramirez has to be appreciated. And those guys have carried a lot of innings for this team. Um, and it's really made a difference. Absolutely. But moving on, starting leadoff with Austin Ola being put on the 10-day IL, the Padres called up Webster Rivas, 11-year minor league 
veteran comes up, takes the place of Nola, hits the smoke. God, the first at bat, you just smoke that ball. And you know, everyone on the field like was like, God, that was a hit. That was a hit. It was an error. But the ball was absolutely smoked. And it, you know, it, it was ruled an error, but I yeah. still think it was it should have been ruled a hit. I think that's a hit in 29 ballparks. Yeah. yeah. Maybe 28 because the Rockies do some shenanigans. Right. <laughs> but, you know, and, and then uh, then to get his first, you know, he then the same game, he throws the guy out from his knees. That was um, so awesome. Oh, my God. What a throw. And it yeah. was right on the on the button. Absolutely. And then goes, yeah, yeah, against Granky, which is just hell yeah. Yeah, one of the best pitchers in the league. Yeah. He'll be telling his yeah. grandkids that he hit his, his first major league hit was off – off, uh, off Granky. Off Zach Granky, and that's you know, it's good to see guys that kind of you know finally get their chance. Will it be up long? We don't know. Is he going to be you know a major leaguer full time? We don't know. But you just love that. It's a great story. I love that. That's the thing about baseball is I love those stories where guys just grind out for years oh, and for years sure. and years. And he's been he's been with us for a few years now. Oh yeah. So uh, kind of a side angle to that. So they they. Uh, selected his contract rather than bringing Luis Camposano back yeah. up. And Camposano's been, he's been hitting a little bit, but he's been struggling. We could see when he was up earlier this year that his defense definitely needs some work. Yeah. Um, I mean, the kid's, what, 22. Yeah. He hadn't had any experience above high A before this year. Um, I mean, other than, what, the one game that he played in last year. So it's it's understandable that he's going to struggle, that he needs development. So yeah. I think it was interesting that they called up Rivas and left Campusano down. Um, and we don't know when Nola is going to be back. Right. Uh, hopefully he's back soon. But in the meantime, and Rivas looks great behind yeah. the plate. And he can hit. He can hit a little. <laughs> he can. So he might stick around for a little bit. Yeah. And it's just a great story. I love that stuff. But moving oh, on. Sure. Moving on. San Antonio Missions after the Jack. Zuwinski, friend of the podcast, has been named the double A. I don't know why I did that. The double A Central Player of the Week from May 24th to the 30th. Announced by the league today, he is the first missions player to be honored with the Player of the Week award this season. For the week, Zuwinski batted 450, 9 for 20 during six games against Northwest Arkansas. He hit two home runs, three doubles, one triple, and drove in six runs. He scored six runs, stole a base, and walked three times. His on-base percentage for the week was 542, and he slugged 1,000. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. And it's funny because like, when I was putting together the agenda for um, for San Antonio, like all week, it just got exactly okay. Another great game by Zach. Like, I had to make some adjustments just to not make it all about Zawinski. But it's it's fantastic. Yeah, but he deserves all the oh. all the. This this is a ton of work that he put in. Yeah. He didn't get an invitation to the to the camp oh, last sorry, year. Right. Yeah, and so a lot of these guys have started off a little bit slow because they're rusty. And J- boy, Jack hit the ground running. Yeah, absolutely. So this marks the first weekly honor for Zawinski in his career, as he is the first missions player since Tyrone Taylor in August of 2019 to win a weekly award. On the year, Zawinski is batting 265, 18 for 68 with five home runs, four doubles, two triples, and 14 RBIs. He holds a 359 on base percentage with a 603 slugging percentage. The Chicago native leads the missions with 41 total bases, five home runs, and 14 RBIs. In AA Central, Zawinski is third with a 603 slugging percentage and is tied with, in, for fifth with 11 extra base hits. 
That's, so you mentioned the name Tyrone Taylor, yeah. and that's probably not a very familiar name to Padres fans or those that follow the Padres organization. That's because the San Antonio Missions was the AA affiliate. In 2000. I'm sorry, the yeah. AAA affiliate oh, the Brewers. for the, the Brewers in 2019. Yeah. So all those awards little, stay with the team, not right. A little. Yeah, a little oddity little. about the uh, the shuffling of the uh, of the affiliates. So we're, we're gonna we're gonna nail down a little bit later on in the uh, in the affiliate rundown with some of the Jacks games. But this came up last night and very interesting. Um, you know, we follow when we've had uh, advocates for minor leaguers on the podcast, and they tweeted out last night per multiple sources, the Myrtle Beach Pelicans were told they would be on their own, unquote, quote, unquote, and finding a place to sleep tonight because the team hotel is sold out. According to one source, at least a dozen players are planning to spend the night in the locker room. So what happened was then... So now... Go ahead. So we've spoken to Garrett Brogius, yeah. who is, uh, I believe he, quote-unquote, is M- MILB yeah. Advocates. He's the founder of the organization. I believe he runs a Twitter account. He has direct content contact with agents and players... <laughs> All over the minors. Yeah. So when he says multiple sources, that probably means that it's coming straight from the players. Right. And he wouldn't tweet something like this out without having some legitimate uh, grounds for, for saying it. Absolutely. So later in the evening, the Myrtle Pelicans, which is the is it the high A affiliate of the Cubs. I think it's a high I'm a. not sure what level, but yeah. yeah. It's A ball of, of, the, of the Cubs. They tweeted out the rumor on social media that our players were stranded without housing is false. The team is busing home from a road trip. Every player has housing. We have always been proactive in assisting players in finding housing and will continue to support them on and off the field. Then, finally, then, MLB advocates, we've been told that the Pelicans will now be providing housing for all their players tonight. Advocacy works. Players, Yeah, that was a couple hours later. Yeah. Players, agents, families, and friends, please reach out the next time any minor leaguer is facing a situation like this, and we will do everything we can to help. But it goes on. So later on, Rafa, Niev, Rafa Nieves is an agent for one of the players and put, I am in contact with multiple players in the team. I've been told the team provided them with a link to book a room somewhere. They're not providing housing tonight. Right. And so it, it should never be up to the players to figure right. out their own right. arrangements right. when the whole team is st- – when everybody's staying in hotels like they are yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, so Preston Wilson pointed out that this this wasn't just a, a last-minute oops. This At the beginning of the season when the schedule comes out, yeah. then you've got people in the front office of the minor league team, and it's their job to go out and book accommodations for every single night of the season, yeah. home and away, and, and figure it out for the teams. In past years, you had host families, guys had apartments. It was a little bit different. This year, everybody's staying in hotels. They're kind of bubbling everybody. So this all should have been nailed down months ago. Right. Um, so there's definitely. So I'm, I'm hope the optimist in me is hoping that something weird went on with the hotel that the team had an arrangement with, and that that hotel backed out, and then the team had to pivot. But yeah. even so, to put it on the players to find their own arrangements. Yeah is not acceptable. Well, for with this, it was Rafa. So later on, I don't have it in here, but later on, he's like, I literally booked room for my player just now. Yeah, so, he posted the, the receipt. Yeah. That he, it was a Motel 6 that he yeah. had his guys. I think there were two guys in a room. And he's like, yeah, here's proof. Yeah. If you don't believe me. And, and we're not saying this to, but it happens actually at a time when, after you know the reduction of minor league baseball and minor league teams, they want to be able to put them in better housing. They want to have better bus rides. They want to have them eating better. 
you know, and stuff like this, someone drops the ball and it happens and it just kind of, it's a little bit of a stain. So I think it's a hiccup more than a stain, but it's just a little bit of hiccup, uh, but worth, certainly worth noting. Right. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a black eye on whoever, yeah. whoever dropped the ball there. Um, like I said, I hope it's just a simple, you know, the well, misunderstanding, yeah. a one-off kind of a thing. Uh, but the way that uh, MILB advocates brought the attention to it, um, they're not going to let that happen again. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right, so uh, scouting report. Uh, MILB's Michael Avalone wrote about the Padres' Robert Hassel III. Quote, Bobby it wasn't a matter sticks. of... Yes. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't a matter of if Robert Hassel III would be chosen in the 2020 draft, only how soon. The answer was pretty quickly, perhaps even quicker than he thought. ML- MLB Pipeline ranked Hassel at 16th best prospect entering last year's draft and the 7th best high schooler. Quote, we think we added the best prep hitter in the class. And quote, Padres scouting director Mark Connor told MLB.com after the selection. Along with the consecutive state... Player of the Year awards on Hassel's resume, San Diego took note of his eye-opening performance at the MLB Prospect Development Pipeline Showcase in the summer of 2019. He batted 385, 467, 654 with five extra base hits and eight RBIs during the month-long showcase. The Southpaw also pitched, as he did in the 2014 (laughs) Little League World Series, allowing an unearned run over six innings while showcasing a low 90s fastball and a solid breaking pitch. So I didn't know he pitched in the Little League World Series. Did you know that? I did not know that, but it makes sense. I mean, most of these guys were the best athlete on the field at every level coming up. So they're all either playing center field or shortstop or catcher. They all have a cannon of an arm. Right. So it makes sense that they're going to pitch once or twice a week. Uh, But now I want to go back and find some footage of this. Dude, definitely. And when we talk to them uh, in this season, we're definitely going to be, that's the first question. It's like, Little League World Series, let's talk. Yeah, what's his repertoire? Does he have a slider? Does he throw a? Does he have a changeup? <laughs> now, and there's no, right. there's no, there's, but there's no way that they're gonna like, okay, in a blowout. All right, Rob, go ahead and throw. They're not gonna do that. They're, that's just no, like, no. <laughs> you know, that doesn't happen to your your top prospect guy. No. Um, okay, so Hassel added more luster to his shine by by hitting over 500 and earning International Player of the Year honors for his performance at the 18U World Cup in South Korea later that summer. Quote, Robert was very intriguing to us because of the bat he possesses, Connor told MILB.com last year. From a young age, he's been a natural hitter. He's definitely a hit-first package, somebody who has a good awareness of the strike zone, has plate discipline. He has a strong desire to put the ball in play, and he does not like striking out. The 19-year-old was assigned to Low A Lake Elsinore to begin his professional career, and true to form, has not disappointed in the early going, collecting 14 RBIs in his first 17 games with nine extra base hits. And then he lays out the uh, scouting grades on the 20 to 80 scouting scale, a 60 on the hit tool, a 50 for the power, 55 for the run, a 55 on an arm, a 55 on his fielding, and 55 overall, which on that scale, 50 would be your MLB average player. Right. So a 55 is better than average, borderline all-star kind of a player. Now that's, I'm sure these are all future grades. Um, right. So you look at guys like Eric Loggenhagen over at Fangraphs and they've got like present value and future value. I think what we're looking at here is future value, but to put a 60 on a hit tool, that's a, a very high compliment. That's a very high compliment. So quote, Hassel was one of the best all-around hitters and pitched well at the inaugural Prospect Development Pipeline League last June and July, then led the U.S. national team in almost every offensive category while batting 514, 548, 886 at the under-18 World Cup in South Korea in September. Though there was some split opinion about the quality of his tools beyond his bat, 
he became the first high school player number eight overall, taken in the 2020 draft. The first Tennessean prep position player selected in the first round since Mike White in 1986. He signed for a below slot $4.3 million. Hassel was impressive as the youngest mainstay at the Padres alternate site, alternate training site. Then he turned in an eye-opening performance during fall instruct leagues to be uh, to tie a bow on his first pro experience. Hassel separated himself from his peers as the best pure high school hitter in the 2020 draft. A combination of excellent hand-eye coordination and physical strength allows Hassel to repeatedly barrel balls with his impactful left-handed swing. He gets good plate coverage with his long arms and lashes line drives to all fields when at his best. Projecting as a plus hitter, he controls his own well for a young player, showing on-base skills on the top of the natural hitting ability. Padres officials are increasingly confident that Hassel will exceed his power projections in the pro ranks and then point to his current hitting ability and remaining physical development as reasons to be optimistic. Now, I saw him hit an opposite field. God, he just missed a home run earlier this week. Uh, opposite field off the wall for a double. And it was just easy strength, easy power. I ended up keeping that out. Right. Yeah, he's young. He's still filling out. Yeah. And so the 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 hit tool is something that's hard to learn. Guys grow into strength, they grow into power, but you can't teach speed. And there are certain things about hitting that seem to be beyond coachability. Yeah. Um, and I do wonder if the the livelier ball that they have at the upper levels of the AAA and Major League Baseball is has played a factor because it seems like you get a lot of guys like Jose Altuve that they're hit first guys and then they break into the major leagues and all of a sudden there's this power that people didn't necessarily see coming. Yeah, I, so earlier this week, you know, we talked about a little bit, I think after the podcast, maybe even before the end of it, um, I reached out to some people that are in the know on uh, on the baseball because I wanted to know if they're, if they're where the Major League Baseball was being used in the lower and upper minors. So this is from a uh, this is from Sam Dykstra. I asked if, if the Major League Baseball is being used the same in AAA. The short answer is yes. The long answer is a little more complicated. Teams have been encouraged to use up their 2020 supply first. So while MLB may have changed the 2021 ball a little, a decent amount of the AAA balls are still in 2020 specifications. Somewhere like Sugarland, where Gore is tonight, that was earlier this week, is likely using the 2021 ball because they weren't affiliated last year. The point is, AAA is using the MLB ball unlike other minor league levels. It's just the year of the ball that might vary a little. So that was very interesting. Right. Yeah, so I'm, I'm curious to see if people have access to the data because now there's TrackMan or uh, Hawkeye uh, systems at all the ballparks. So they have data about the pitch velocity and the um, exit velocity. Yeah of the baseball. And so you can do some math and figure out just how hot the ball is coming off the bat. Um, and also some things about drag. Once you look at overall distance, uh, that's what people like our friend Meredith, uh, Meredith uh, Wills. yeah, Meredith, Meredith Wills. Wills is, is studies. So I'm sure we're going to see some interesting articles coming out later this year. Well, it did, anyway, it did actually in real quick, it did. And sports illustrated did post a uh, article with, uh, their, their different balls and she's, uh, it's a pretty, uh, pretty interesting article. Oh, fantastic article. Yeah. yeah. Using Meredith's uh, data that was compiled by the, the Sports Illustrated writer. Absolutely. Anyway, continue. So, this, <laughs> so, so Hassel may face questions about his defensive profile ahead of the draft, with some scouts pegging him as more of a corner outfielder in the pro ranks than a true center fielder. That is less of a concern now after Hassel and above runner performed well defensively at the premium position in instructional camp. 
leading some club officials to peg him as an organization's best defensive outfielder. He can become an even better defender at an outfielder corner and has more than enough arm strength. He was clocked at 93 off the mound in high school, and he played right. So you're telling me that there really isn't a weak point in this kid's game right now? No, it's all about just learning how to play the game and develop physically and grow as a player. Yeah, and maturing as a as a as a human. Yeah, you know, because it's it's easy to forget how young these kids are and and how much development, how much growth they have to right. go through. Right. Just to learn how to do the everyday routines and how to manage your diet and how to maintain your body through a full season and all this stuff. So that's what he's learning right now in single A. But along the way, he's putting up putting up some pretty impressive performances. Absolutely. So let's move on. So John Conniff uh, had an interview with Adam Kerner, which uh, was when he was in Fort Wayne a couple of weeks back. Uh, amid the pandemic, Major League Baseball reduced the 2020 amateur draft from 40 rounds to only five and restricted bonuses to undrafted players to no more than 20,000. However, for players who entered this the year draft expecting to be drafted in the middle rounds, it wasn't a rounding error. In some cases, it meant replacing the opportunity for a several hundred thousand dollar bonus with a take it or leave a $20,000 offer. Adam Kerner, a catcher from the USD, and now with the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, was one of the players that caught was caught in that vice. Adam Kerner was a catcher from the University of San Diego, now with the Fort Wayne. Well, sorry about that. Quote, I was pretty confident that even with the fifth round limit, that there was a team that was going to pick me, said Kerner. At the end of the day, it didn't happen. You always, you know that does happen with the draft. I went through it when I finished high school, so I kind of knew that anything could happen. There were only a few organizations that I was willing to do the free agent signing with, signing thing with, and felt like it would be worth it. And the Padres were one of them. That was awesome. That's that's a testament right there right. to how strong the Padres system is and the reputation that their player development personnel must have. Yeah, absolutely. So how we got to the Padres is kind of funny. It's funny. I was at a summer baseball camp watching one of my buddies, Kerner said. I happened to be sitting next to Logan White whose son just graduated from UCSD this year for the UCSD baseball team. Logan White's the uh, senior advisor to, to AJ Preller, and I had a contract before I got home. That's fucking rad, dude. Yeah, it is. It is. Talk about being in the right place at the right, right. time. So here I am. Kerner was considered one of the better defensive catchers in the draft. However, he believes evaluators came up short looking at his bat. I'm not really sure because that's one of the reasons I thought I would be drafted too, laughed Kerner. I'm not a huge guy, five foot ten, about eight one eighty five, but I do have some sneaky power and have the ability to hit more than I get recognized for. But I think that that will uh, excuse me, but I think that will be part of my development that I can hit the higher levels of pitching. Especially this year, I want to really buy into the Padres' philosophy of not chasing pitches outside the strike zone and make more contact within the zone. If I can do that, I think I'll progress. Currently, is a backup behind Johnny Hamza, who God, who just plays, he's playing shortstop tonight. Uh, on, on Tuesday night, I just plays all over, who was drafted at a high school in 2017 as a prep infielder from Alaska and converted the catcher. But the Tinkats have been playing Hosman third in first base, which also might open up more opportunities for Kerner to catch. Unlike Hosma, as with many catchers, Kerner can get a little lost defensively when he's not behind the plate. I've been catching since we started doing kid pitch because that was the only one that could catch it. My dad kept me there, and that's all I've ever really done. In college, I played a little bit of left field on off days, Watching games from left field, it seems like it takes forever, but when you're catching, it feels like you're out there for 30 seconds, laughed Kerner. Game management and working with pitchers is always my main focus and what I think is the most important. 
you can always improve as catcher because there are more strikes to steal, more guys to throw out, so you can always get better. So far, the biggest thrill this season has been getting his first hit. Uh, and it's, and, excuse me, getting his first hit in his first game he started, and now it's a field triple. I was pretty excited, but I didn't want to slow. I didn't want to show it when I was on the field. The pitchers got the ball, put it in my locker, so it was super cool. <laughs> a triple for a catcher. <laughs> so the guy's got some wheels. Yeah, a little bit. You know, and those fields are pretty big out there. So, yeah. So, so tonight, yeah, Hamza was at second, was at shortstop for the first time since 2017, uh, and Kerner was behind the plate. Yeah. So while you were going through reading that, I thought, how how strange would it be if we had Johnny Hamza? <laughs> And Eric Hosmer on the same team. And then maybe they could bring back, what was it, Pete Pete Cosma, the shortstop for the Reds for a few oh, years there. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Have the Zama, the Mamza. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to our affiliate rundown. Yes, yes. So we're starting off with the Lake Elsinore Storm. So strike one, Wednesday after two days off, Robert Hassel III collected his third multi-hit game in his last four starts, including a big hit early that put the Storm on top. In addition to the production at the plate, it was the first time in a week that Hassel did not strike out. In talking to scouts, the biggest concern was Hassel. with Hassel was that he would sacrifice his elite ability to cover the zone and make contact for added power. Thus far, Hassel has nine extra base hits in 17 games and 22 strikeouts against 16 walks. The power, walks, average, arm, and speed have all been there. Now it's a matter of lowering that strikeout percentage to take him into that elite level of prospect. So just today, I was going through um, Eric Longenhagen's top Padres prospects, and his write-up on Hassel uh, was based on what he saw last fall. And okay. he noted that Hassel had added a fair amount of incline to his to his bat plane. Okay. Like he seemed to be trying to lift the ball a little bit more. Um, and as a result, he wasn't, um, he, he wasn't matching the plane that the ball is coming in on. Right. And it, it seemed to be an approach that could make him a little bit more strikeout prone selling out for power. Kind of what's, what's explained here. Yeah. Um, so the strikeouts, yeah, I don't know if it's something to worry about right now. Cause it's, it's single a, there's a lot of adjustments to it. Um, but it does sound like the mechanics have, have smoothed out a little bit. So he's not really trying to uppercut the ball like that. Yeah, he does. He does have a little bit, and I hate to say this, but he has a little Cody Bellinger in him. Tall okay. and has that, you know, that that's left-handed swing that puts the barrel on the ball just a little bit. But speaking of speed. Yeah, but Bellinger, Bellinger looks like he swings as hard as anybody. Yeah. He looks like he's coming out of his shoes yeah. just about every time he swings. Um, and with a with the high hit tool like that, I hope that he remains in control and doesn't sell out like that. Right, right. Hits for more average and, and not just power, power, power. But speaking right, of, and you expect that the power is going to come as the strength comes. Yeah. Speaking of speed, infielder Jordy Barley has been a demon on the base pass. The 21 year old who has never made more than 14 stolen bases had more than 14 stolen bases in a season. Eight caught stealing. Already is perfect 11-11 through 20 games. Those 11 stolen bases put him second in the league, trailing only Fresno's Zach Veen, who was the assumed pick of the Padres when he failed to them last year in last year's draft. Everyone was going Veen. I remember that. Everyone's Veen, Veen. We're like, hassle? Who the hell's hassle? Everybody wanted Veen. I remember at the time, like, the two were kind of like one and two as far right. as prep hitters. Um, Zine, Veen had the, the higher power profile while... Um, while Hassel had the stronger hit tool yeah. and maybe a little bit more flexibility in fielding, Veen seemed destined for a corner where Hassel seems to have a chance to stick at center field. Um, I mean, Veen's off to a great start, but I'm loving what we're seeing out of Robert Hassel. Oh, love him. Um, 
and he's uh, he's getting clutch hits for the team. He's he's getting the extra bases. He's ex- aggressive on the base paths. I mean, I love it. So I find it's interesting that uh, Jordy Barley, 14 stolen bases in a season with eight caught stealing um, in his last full season, and now he's a perfect 11 for 11. I wonder what that's about. If they're if they're teaching him what counts are the right counts to try to go. Right. Um, if they're giving him a little bit more coaching about what to look for uh, in a pitcher's delivery, or if it has something to do with a rule change, uh, yeah, and he's taking advantage he, of something there. Interesting, interesting. That's, uh, you know, probably a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly teaching him when to go, exactly when the counts, when it, when even if it's good to steal at any given time. Right. Yeah. Game situations. Yeah. So it takes more than speed to be able to steal bases. Yeah. I, we saw Xavier Edwards struggle to, to steal bases effectively, and he's one of the fastest guys in the minors. Yeah. Um, and then I think back to you know, Albert Pujols is wearing concrete shoes now, but back in his day, <laughs> he was a very savvy base runner, yeah. and he would steal his, more bases than you would expect out of a guy his size and with his mobility um, because he understood the game. He knew – what counts were the right counts to run? What game situations were the ones where, you know, maybe you're more likely to get a pitch in the dirt right. or it's going to be a breaking pitch or he's walking the pitchers, watching the delivery and knows he takes a little bit more time to go, um, that kind of stuff. And so maybe there's something going on there. All right, moving on to strike two. Gilberto Vizcarra got hit in the shoulder in the bottom of the sixth inning and he was in real pain. He stayed in and then he got hit again and his face was in agony. Wanye <laughs> William Sutton can relate. I had to put that in there. I watched the game and God, it just, you know, it took several minutes. The trainer came out and he was just, he was just in pain and literally the same at bat. Bam, hit him again. Um, Duane Sutton got hit tonight on the head. Got oh, hit, no. On the head. Hit, on a curveball. I mean, it was a looping curveball that hit him like directly on top of the head. And oh. uh, the trainer came out and, and, uh, and um, JC came out. And they were just kind of laughing, but they're like, you know, he talked to him, but they were kind of laughing about it. Like, oh, and then he ran to first base. I just thought that was really funny. And I put that in there because it just, I felt for the kid. It just, that was a really tough at bat. Man. So Sunday, strike three, Sunday lefty Noel Vela was charged with two runs, but then allowed just two more runners over the next four frames. The 22-year-old hurler who totaled just 57.2 innings of work over three seasons after the Padres drafted him in 2017, is holding opponents to a 230 average through his first 18.2 frames in full season ball. Vela has struck out 25, but has issued 10 free passes. Felix Millares and Michel Milano combined for three no-hit innings of work in relief. Uribel Angeles, the youngest player on the roster, collected his fourth straight two-hit game. The Dominican infielder has edged his average, has, excuse me, has edged his average back up to 264 in his first taste of stateside ball. I love watching that kid. Him, Brandon yeah. Venezuela. Um, it just, you know, I'm excited for these kids. Yeah, well, I, I need to get back up there and watch some of it. We've only been up there one time. I yeah. need to get back up there again. Yeah, absolutely, myself. Okay, moving on to Fort Wayne. Uh, strike one. On Wednesday, Moises Lugo had arguably his best start as a professional, tossing five innings, a new career high, and allowing only three base runners. The 22-year-old Dominican made the jump from the AZL to high A Fort Wayne and hasn't missed a beat. He allowed back-to-back singles to start the game, then retired 15 of the next 16 batters, never allowing a runner past first. Whoop. 
Luis Almanzar has arguably been the most consistent hitter on the Tin Caps. He collected his first three-hit game of the year while also collecting his first multi-extra base hit game. The big-money J2 signee, who notably was given more of a bonus than Luis Patino, is now hitting 283 with a 774 OPS. While 52 plate appearances is still a small sample size, that OPS is nearly 200 points higher than his career OPS, and hopefully a continued sign that the now 21-year-old has turned a corner. And boy, did he, he has struggled for several years yeah. in the Padres organization, yeah. bounced around from one position to another. Now it seems like they've got him slotted at first base DH for the time being, just concentrating on hitting primarily. Absolutely. Strike two Thursday, Anderson Espinosa to the mound for a third start of the year. The righty shined in his first road outing, facing just one batter over the minimum across two scheduled innings. In total, he struck out three and walked none, allowing only one hit. The scoring started before Espinosa even towed the rubber. Fort Wayne right fielder Augusto Ruiz smacked a two-run homer to the opposite field in the top of the first, playing left fielder Grant Little as well. It was Ruiz's sixth homer of the year, sixth run of the year, which is tied for second most in high A Central. He has six home runs in only 18 games this year. He had four and 443 at-bats for Fort Wayne in 2019. Ruiz is also leading the high A Central League with 21 RBIs. Juwan Harris starred defensively in his first appearance since Friday night at Parkview Field. Harris made a spe- oh, he's incredible. I tweeted it. I I, I watched it. I, I videotaped the, the uh, I turned it back and videotaped it. It was just an incredible catch. Made a spectacular diving catch in right center field to end the second inning and followed with a sliding grab in the shallow center to finish the fifth and preserve the lead. The guy's an athlete, dude. Absolutely. I mean, it was. I I, I tweeted Sports Center. I don't know if it made Sports Center, <laughs> but it was just an amazing catch. Nice. Well, backing it up to Anderson Espinoza, he's now made three appearances. He's come out of all three of them healthy. Every single one, he's gotten better. Um, and this last one, he was he was dominant through yeah. through the two scheduled yeah. innings that he yeah. had to pitch. So baby steps. But this is a great sign that he's feeling good. The performance is starting to come. The command is starting to come back. I it's there's there's a lot to dream on there. Right, absolutely. And the game rhythm, like like kind of with Mackenzie Gore, we'll talk about in a little bit. It's the game rhythm. It's pitching every four days, every five days, being on the mound, competing instead of being you know in some backfield or at the alt side, you know, pitching against the same nine guys. For sure. So strike three, Matt Waldron. Took a perfect game through the first four innings with a lethal mix of cut fastballs, breaking pitches, and an occasional knuckleball. Yes. Knuckleball? Yeah. <laughs> As the young Cubs hitters struggled to adjust to the movement and speed changes. Waldron, 24, he pitched four years at the University of Nebraska along with his twin brother, Mike, which is interesting, and was selected in 18th round by Cleveland in 2019. He pitched well in the 45.2 innings of his draft year in rookie ball and low A with 40, 57 strikeouts against only four walks. So far, he has put up similar numbers in five starts with Fort Wayne. A 27-3 strikeout to base on ball ratio and 25.2 innings for 2.1 ERA. He should be the first one off to San Antonio when the opportunity pops up. So I saw right before we started recording, uh, Dylan Sin, who is a friend of the podcast yep. in Fort Wayne, he wrote a piece about Matt Waldron and the knuckleball that he's picked up. Apparently, this is a new pitch for him. Um, and, and I haven't had a chance to read the article yet, uh, but I got to check it out. Uh, Dylan does a great job uh, for the, I, I believe he wrote, writes for the times Gazette yep. there in Fort Wayne. Um, so I, I got to check out what that's all about. Yeah, and he's an excellent follower. You guys, if you want to keep up with the tin caps, he's at every game. He always has a pregame article and then tweets throughout the game. So excellent. We'll read that and put it on the podcast next week. 
for sure. Um, I'm looking up Mike Waldron right here. Uh, it looks like he didn't get drafted uh, and went unsigned after um, after college, but he does have a baseball reference page. Hey, that's a start. That's a start. That's a start. Okay, moving on to San Antonio. Strike one, after a solid 2018 campaign where he repeated Fort Wayne, Jack Sawinski was hoping to build on that success in the hitter-friendly California League, but he was striking out at nearly a 10% higher rate, and he hit his fewest extra base hits as a professional. In 17 games so far in A, Sawinski already has nine extra base hits that equal the number that he had in his last 40 games with the Storm in 2019. Sawinski's big night raises OPS to 871, which now leads the missions. Yeah, and like, it also uh, earned him uh, player of the player of the week. Was it player of the week or player of the month honors? Yeah. Player of the week, and we'll talk. Like, okay, well, Mad Friars uh, also named him their player of the month. Yes, so they do a feature. Mad Friars, who we get a lot of this information from, uh, does a does a player of the month for every affiliate, and he was so strike two in game in game one of Friday's doubleheader. Jose Cazada. Improved to four and four in save opportunities. His four saves ties him for the most in Double A Central with Cole Uvila and Junior Garcia coming in into the 2021 season. Cazeta has covered converted one save so far this season. He carries a 1.74 ERA, two earned runs, and 10.1 innings pitched with 15 strikeouts. Mission starter Reese Kinnear is climbing some Double A Central pitching charts. He improved to three and one on the season after his game one victory last night. His three wins are tied for the second most in the AA Central. That's so weird calling it the AA Central. Instead of the Texas, yeah. you know, the Texas League or whatever, Texas League North or whatever. After pitching a season-high six innings last night, he is currently third in the league in total innings pitched with 25. He's somebody to keep an eye on. Absolutely. He's a little older, um, and it seems like the polish is is getting there. So if the Padres need to call somebody up to be a swingman or a middle reliever or something like that, I could see him getting an yeah. opportunity. He had a great spring too. He he saw some early starts or you know some early pitching against you know top talent. He wasn't pitching seven or eight inning against guys in the same age, but he was pitching against some really uh, some some major league hitters. Right. He's also a good clubhouse dude. He's yeah. got a lot of personality. <laughs> he's good with fans. He's uh He's 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 a really good dude. So I'm I'm hoping we see him go far. Yeah. All right. So strike three. Saturday with super prospect CJ Abrams still out from undisclosed amount of time. Jack Sawinski has stepped up. It's the, the left Jack hand. Stop this is the Jack Sawinski show. It is the Jack Sawinski show. The left-hander has had three multi-hit games in his last five hits, his last five games, and is now slashing 266, 365, 594 with 10 extra base hits in 20 games. Sawinski, 22, was an overslot signee away from the University of Indiana. He's shown flashes of putting it together in the past three years. After a pair of rough starts to open the year, Caleb Boshley has not given up a run in his last three starts, yeah. 14 innings, and has struck out a season-high eight batters on Saturday. The 27-year-old righty from Wisconsin was a key contributor for the Storm pitching staff in 2019. Absolutely, he was really nice when uh, when I was up in Lake Elsinore. He, you know, I sit in the camera well, and he sits there with uh, with the pitching coach. And uh, <laughs> hey, Don, what's going on? Uh, and now, you know, I don't uh, nothing. <laughs> you know, I did. I don't know if I could talk to the guy. It's the middle of the game, but you know, he'd say, "Hey." I don't know if he was trying to bait me into like talking to him. You know, when I shouldn't be talking to people, but he was really nice. He was also at the All-Star game with Mackenzie Gore last year up in uh, San Bernardino. Right, right. Yeah, in 2019. And for the storm that year, he did everything for them. He was a starter. He was a reliever. He closed out a couple of games. It's just whatever they needed him to do, 
he was there. And yeah. there's that that kind of guy is so valuable. So just to kind of Sunday, CJ Abrams was back in the lineup. He went over four uh, as a DH. Uh, he wasn't in the lineup tonight, so they're probably slowly building him back into, uh, you know, folding him back into the lineup. Now, have you? I haven't seen anything about what the nature of his injury is. I saw somewhere that he kind of came up limping after after a play, and then that's when they pulled him out uh, when he went on the IL. Um, so, yes. if it's some kind of a lower body injury, maybe he tweaked a hamstring or or something like that. Um, and it's interesting that he's DH, so that means that they're trying to limit his motions to right. you know straight line running and sliding, swinging a bat versus all the acrobatics that you have to do as a shortstop even as a second baseman. Yeah. Um, I mean, even in center field, you need to take the quick change of direction kind of things. Yeah. Can I stay with so that they're easing him back speed. in. Yeah, absolutely. So good follow for, for all the uh, San Antonio stuff is Joe Alexander on Twitter. Joe Alexander 210. Uh, he he sent out a tweet saying that he uh, he missed six games after limping off the field May 22nd. The San Diego Padres prospect returned as DH on Sunday, but is not in the starting lineup tonight. That's tonight's tweet. So he's a really good follow with information that you know necessarily are more observations, you know, right. than actually, you know, than actually released information from the team. Right. Yeah. Maybe that's what I saw. Yeah. And it's pretty vague that somebody came up limping. Yeah. yeah that doesn't really tell you a whole lot. Yeah. And it's not that big of a deal. All right. So on to El Paso. Strike one. Thursday, El Paso second baseman Ivan Castillo made a jumping catch with two outs in the top of the ninth inning Thursday to rob Cody Bellinger of a hit and seal a 6-4 Chihuahuas win over the cleverly named Oklahoma City Dodgers. (laughs) The the victory snapped El Paso's six-game losing streak. (laughs) So John Conniff wrote that rundown, and uh, that was a little jab, little jab, little jab. Yeah, I I borrowed that jab. (laughs) I I plagiarized that jab. I paraphrased it. Oh. All right, so Nick Tantalou and Patrick Kivlihan both hit home runs for the El Paso Chihuahuas. By the way, Nick Tantalou is a pretty solid Twitter follow. Seems like a really good dude. Uh, John Andrioli reached base four times for the Chihuahuas, going two for two with a double, an RBI, and two walks. Bellinger went one for four with a walk. Boo. Right. In his fifth MLB injury <laughs> rehab game. The Chihuahuas are now 6-1 in home games. A bright spot in the El Paso bullpen has been Jordan Guerrero. Turn the the hard-throwing right-hander has uh, through two shutout innings, lowering his ERA to 0.75. Guerrero, 24, has issued just two walks in 12 innings, and he's held opponents to a 205 average. And that's another guy to definitely keep an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. Command issues almost his whole career. Through like Elsinore, you're like, okay, I don't even want to sit behind the the backstop or behind the catcher. Maybe the ball will hit me. Um, Right. two, Two walks in 12 innings is really good for him. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just, so something something must have clicked yeah. where maybe he just trusts his stuff more, yeah. and it's like, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and fill up the yeah. zone and try to hit it. Yeah. And absolutely, this is and, and guys develop at different uh, different times. The timeline for every player is totally different. So maybe we can well, see with him. All like, the, with all the time off, yeah. who knows what kind of mechanical things? Maybe he was. Maybe he had an opportunity to go work in a pitch lab and figure out some biomechanics yeah. stuff to clean up his delivery. I don't know. We should try to get him on the horn and see uh, see if we can pick his brain a little bit. Oh, we should. We'll try to do that. Hey, strike two. Last Saturday, left-handed pitcher Mackenzie Gore made us made the start in less than ideal weather conditions, and the results were less than ideal but were mixed. Uh, on the front, on, on, on the good front, Gore pitched three shutout innings, allowing just one hit and struck out four. However, he walked five guys, and one can't help but be concerned about the top prospect. Gore threw 65 pitches and only 31 for strikes in four starts this season. Gore has allowed 31 base runners in 16.2 innings. 
yeah, that's that's not going to get a guy moving too quickly. No. Something's got to get fixed, but it's going to take a little bit because yeah. strike three Sunday, Mackenzie Gore was originally scheduled to start, but was a late scratch with a blister issue. The Padres top pitching prospect struggled with blisters for several months in 2018. Uh, and I, I know we talked to him after that season and he didn't want to go into any details right. about what, what changed, but he pretty much told us, okay, we figured it out. We took care of it. It's behind me. Um, and so to see it pop back up is, I, I I'm not going to say it's concerning, um, because pitchers get blisters. Yeah. This is just something that yeah. happens. happens um, so hopefully it's just a little, little blip. And part of me does wonder if it was kind of an excuse to give him a little extra bullpen time, right, right. stretch it out a little bit between starts to give him some more time to kind of work through some stuff. Yeah. So he should be pitching That's a conspiracy theorist in me. He should be pitching tomorrow or Friday. Okay, I hope I hope we see him out there. Yeah, absolutely. So Mason Thompson's rough introduction to the high minors continued as the hard-throwing Texan gave up two runs. Called on with two on and nobody out in the sixth, he walked the first battery face before giving up a grand slam to Rayleigh. The 23-year-old righty has struck out just seven against five walks in 10.1 innings this year. Don't care. Don't care. Don't care. Stay, Stay healthy. healthy, right? Stay healthy. <laughs> yeah. The, kid, the, the stuff is there. Everything else will come later. Like, don't... Like, right, he, the, he, He's on the 40-man roster. Yeah. And so at some point, I know going into the season, people were looking at him as like a dark horse to make the staff at some point this year. Yeah. And now we're seeing a bullpen that has been decimated by injuries and has been overworked. And so I'm sure people are looking down at that depth chart wondering, okay, who's available to come right. up? And his name is on that roster. It sure would be nice if he could get the command issues figured out so at least he could uh, – you know, come up and, and take a turn every once in a while. Absolutely. And that was a blowout game. It was like, <laughs> I almost put it in here, but Matt Batten pitched like three innings and gave up like six runs, but still like he pitched three innings. Yeah. You need somebody to right. go in there and just take a beating, you know, <laughs> just <laughs> lob up some batting practice and let the guys, let your fielders try to pick you up. I guess that's what it was. Uh, well, happy for Matt Batten, though. Yeah. You, you talk about the guy that'll do anything. He's played every position on the diamond except catcher. Yeah. And the guy will do whatever you need him to do. And I, I love guys like that. So that's somebody, like we said earlier, Robert Hassel is not going to get asked to go up there and, <laughs> and, and step up on the rubber. But somebody like Matt Batten, he'll go out there. Who knows? You know, so that's right. like an Yvonne Castillo getting right. called up. Maybe he'll have an opportunity if he keeps shoving. Yeah. And he was doing that back in 2019 as well. Right. And he's having a good year at the plate. Yeah. So that's about it. You can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan. I am at Zippy underscore TMS. 